In today's episode, Frank and Andy sit down with special guest Max Sklaw to delve into the world of artificial intelligence, data science, and data engineering. Max, a trailblazer in location data and machine learning, shares insights from his extensive experience at Foursquare, including his work on local search and bias correction. Get ready for a thought-provoking discussion about groundbreaking projects, tech drama, and the ever-evolving landscape of technology. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be amazed. Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emergent fields of artificial intelligence, data science, data engineering, and all that good stuff. Uh, with me on this ever-present uh, journey down the information superhighway is Andy Leonard. How's it going, Andy? Good, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a wild 24 hours in uh, Maison Levine uh, <laughs> or, or Maison Lavinia, depending on your uh, how you want to pronounce it. Um, uh, at one point, we will share those <laughs> crazy details, but it's been good. Most of the part, I, I am um, recovering from a, uh, a bout of COVID um, last week sorry. that hit the entire house. I think we all picked it up on the cruise. Again, there are worse places to pick up COVID, and there's worse uh, things that could happen. Uh, I've I've sneezed quite a bit, I've coughed quite a bit, but uh, the thing that's bugging me the most is this headache I had now for 48 straight hours. Um, but it's okay. Like I'm kind of living, learning to live with it, and I've actually given it a name. I call it Charlie. So you know, Charlie <laughs> is is is, is going to be on the show today as well. I see. Yeah, you do uh, sound a little different, but not much. No, nah, that's why I need to clone my voice and um, gotcha. maybe gotcha. have they do the avatars. Today, as I was saying in the virtual green room, this is the first time I've I felt fit for camera <laughs> in about a week. <laughs> Perhaps so, you can use some of that good AI voice modulation. That's there right. you go. Uh, we are pleased to present uh, with us uh, today is Max Sklar. Max is a uh, not only a fellow uh, data guy, but also a fellow podcaster. Welcome to the show, Max. Thank you so much, Frank and Andy, for, for having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Cool. So you, you've been at, you were at a company for a number of years. Uh, you were talking about this in the virtual green room. You were at Foursquare for uh, quite some time. Right. That's unusual, actually. Ten years at a, at a company as, as you know, building software is pretty unusual. But I was really there for, I think, like three different phases. So I kind of break it up into three jobs. Interesting. So, you know, Foursquare was one of those companies that on when they broke up into two different parts, it kind of I didn't understand it. Like this is just the user. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to. I know that sounds yeah. terrible, but this might be my headache. Charlie talking, but like, um, um, what? I, you know, obviously that was a decision that was made in the marketing department, and I don't think people probably thought that through. But I love that application. Like I, I think you know, like I was the mayor of like five different places. It was such a cool, creative uh concept that if you go there long enough you're the mayor and some places would offer the mayor like a free coffee and a donut or something like that like it was really clever i know i used to i mean th that was one of the things that got me really excited about it back in the day and this is already 10 years ago i assume you're talking about the uh the app split back in 2014 which i guess is almost, that sounds about right mm -hmm. I, I guess almost 10 years i guess it's it, it's actually been 10 years since we started working on that, which was a lot oh, wow. of hard work. Uh, but um, no, I, 
I mean, I actually remember a lot of what was going on at the time. And um, we could talk about that a little more in a second. But, <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I, I think the, the whole gamification thing was really exciting. And I really loved the idea that I can go into a place and be like, hey, I was here for five times. Oh, we're going to give you some free uh, you know, free, you know, dessert or free chicken nuggets or whatever. Maybe these days, you know, kind of trying to watch what I eat a little bit more. It might not be as exciting. I, I, it was really sad that that didn't scale as a business. I think what would happen was, um, and, and this, I both experienced this personally and also from talking to the leadership there, it was clear that they felt it, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't a sustainable thing because you'd often go into a place and say, hey, you know, I checked in here all these times. I got all these rewards. You know, uh, I'm supposed to get like a dollar off or I'm supposed to get some some free dessert or something, which is it's always exciting to get a little reward, even if it's not, you know, even if it's just a dollar or whatever. It's always but I think what would end up happening is like the 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 management who worked there or the or the bartender or whatever would know about it. And, you know, once a few times that, you know, you got that thing, oh, oh, let me go in the back and check. And then they come back in like 20 minutes and it's like a whole big deal. You're like, eh, maybe I don't want to do this again. That's interesting, because like from my point of view, it was always very it was very fun. Like so I was mayor of the, there used to be a ferry service between um, in the suburbs of D.C., uh, between Poolsville, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. And I, I would take that ferry a lot, so much so I was actually the mayor of the ferry. But it didn't get me anything, like in that case, but it was just kind I know. of cool. Like, I, I love to, I, I always imagined like there would be, uh, you know, like the ferry could have some kind of a, a little like TV screen that could like show who the mayor was. And then, you, could, like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then, then, then we can like kind of scale up those fights. But alas, uh, society didn't go in that direction. Uh, interestingly, Foursquare, like, I had been interested in that this like local local search space since since well before Foursquare. I mean, even my, you know, my my senior project as an undergrad uh, that goes starting in 2005 was this like you know this this website called Sticky Map where people would post little uh, icons all over Google Map. It's kind of inspired by Wikipedia. You can add messages, and I just thought it was pretty cool. People started marking up the uh, the campus, and then people started you know marking up. It was like, well, it's based on a Google Maps API, so you could just mark up anything you want. And I think in that first project, I noticed all the problems that still exist with that kind of data today. Okay, what happens when you add duplicates? It's the first thing that happened. As you know, as an undergrad, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Let me show something like this. They're like, okay, let me create a marker. And I'm like, no, don't create that one. It's already been created. And then it's like, okay, now we have duplicates right off the bat. And that, that is still something that mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Foursquare deals with, and I'm sure Google deals with, and Apple Maps deals with, and then they, they all deal with it. Um, so uh, um, yeah, it, 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 I, I think when I discovered Foursquare you know, several years later, um, it was the it was innovative in several ways. It was first of all, it was based on on mobile apps actually being at the place when you're commenting on it, uh, which is exciting. It was the gamification of it and the fact and, that and for those um, listening, those, yeah, for those listening, that was new. Like that was brand yeah. new. So sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to cut you off, but like no. the context yeah. <laughs> is important. All, because... all I had was was something on a on a website. Uh, you know, I I wasn't thinking of the i the iPhone didn't exist um, before. Actually, uh, pre Foursquare. Uh, there, there was something called Dodgeball, uh, which was kind of the, the predecessor to Foursquare, 
which I wasn't involved with, but it, but um, it, it was based on like, you know, SMS kind of text messages where people were messaging on, if you remember, you know, those, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 what was it? The T9 texting where people were. Uh, oh God. Just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But people would use that and, and Foursquare and um, Google bought that. Um, and then the, the, the founders, um, uh, Dennis and Alex went, went in and started uh, uh, Foursquare after that. So uh, mm. very, uh, there, there's a very interesting history of kind of like local search city guide and basically sort of social kind of local applications. We're, we're very big at the time. Nowadays, I think we need to find a new take on it. But um, that <laughs> when I joined Foursquare in 2011, it was very exciting. I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a, a real, so I started my career in New York City, right? So I worked at barnesandnoble.com. So I was there in the fairly early days of Silicon Alley. And that was a huge thing. It was Microsoft, I think it was Microsoft had something called Sidewalk. Um, and I then there was, there was, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't Microsoft. Maybe it was somebody else had something called sidewalk. AOL had something uh, going and the fact you can't remember it, I think says it all, right? Like it was like in, in, you know, anybody that could register a dot com could spell and could spell HTML could get funding back in those days, a bit like the way the yeah. AI startup ecosystem is kind of today. Um, but it, it, no, there were, I mean, people, there was a time young children out there um <laughs> that when you know people saw the online world is slightly different than the real world and they saw this as an opportunity right um but no i like that takes me back as soon as you said like the local kind of connection guides I was like wow it takes me back um yeah yeah coming back to the app split and i wasn't expecting to talk about this today that's i'm like, sorry whoa. if it brings up if for what I it's worth i'm a former windows for what it's worth, I'm a former Windows Phone developer, and I wrote a book yeah. on Silverlight. So I understand the pain of working on ill-fate. And I worked at BarnesandNoble.com, right? So there's my trifecta of ill-fated technology projects. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a lot of technology companies, in order to become successful, actually have to go through big changes where people yell at them. Uh, and so it's like, how do you know whether you're breaking things or whether you're actually doing what you're supposed to do? And so that's kind of a right. that's that's kind of a tough decision. I I think for Foursquare at the time there was always like kind of a design uh, um, and product like uh, tension between the people who wanted to be there as essentially like a Yelp replacement, kind of like a, a local search city guide, and then there and then versus the people who were there for the the life logging, the check-ins, the game. And I think. Um, I think the separation could have been done. I mean, my personal opinion is I think there could have been a separation. I could think it could have been executed a little bit better. Uh, I think technically we did a good job. I, I think the, the apps that we ended up with were well-designed, but I think um, I think what we needed to do is take into account how, the, how people were using the apps uh, at the time and not just like kick all the people who were checking in, which was, which was Foursquare's kind of, bread and butter and just like kick them to the side with his other app. And then it's like, well, what is this? I'm calling this something different. It's sort of, that was, that was, I think too much. Um, mm. But again, there, <laughs> there were people saying it at the time. Um, but the problem is, I, I guess, uh, you know, there, whenever you make a change, there's always a great many people saying a great many things. So <laughs> <one> <laughs> thing was we could wax yeah. nostalgic about Foursquare because I used to like when I, I was traveling a lot at the time when I worked, I worked at Microsoft about 10 years ago, but I remember sometimes I would actually choose different connecting airports so I could get like yeah. a, the, the jet, that was it the, 
the jet set tag and like level up in my achievement there. Right. Which right. is kind of sad, but um, we could we could wax nostalgic about that all day, and I would love to. But I think what what was the role of AI and ML in that space, right? Because yeah. you were obviously <laughs> collecting a lot of data. No, like I'm just curious, like because how how was that being used? How was that uh, leveraged? So in in a, in a lot of ways, um, and you know, many of which I I worked on over all those years. Uh, you know, one of them was, I mean, just, you know, search ranking in general, uh, which, you know, Foursquare had a lot of ex-Google engineers. So I learned directly from them. So they they knew what to do. Uh, but uh, search ranking, um, search ranking was a, was, was a big project. This was kind of more of a statistical problem where you were kind of trying to weight different attributes. Like, is this related to the search the person put in? Is this related to how much do we want to, you know, uh, uh, score things that are um, you know, maybe someone's friends went to, so something like that. I think the, the biggest, well, I'll talk about the one that I think is the biggest deal. And then the one that, that, that I worked on the most, the one that I think was the biggest deal for, for Foursquare, uh, which I did work on a little bit is basically trying to figure out where someone is given. So we know where someone is given their that long from their phone, but it's like, what are they actually in a particular store? Like, are they in the Starbucks? Are they in the uh, you know, are are they in the office uh, over there? Are they are they just walking down the street? And so, using the fact that people were were giving us training data essentially, which was a big theme there, which is you know I, I think uh, something that uh, data scientists and data entrepreneurs need to need to look in closely, which is like how can you get people to give you training data because it is really useful. Uh, so if you have people giving you where they are, and then you could see the information from their phone, not just a lot long, but like what, you know, things like what Wi-Fi's can you see? And what, you know, other sensors from your phone, can you figure out where they are? And then there's the whole stop detection uh, uh, problem. And so, you know, Foursquare essentially can kind of figure out, you know, where you went day to day. And it's actually pretty good. Like, you know, if I don't tell Foursquare where I went, even today, I still look at it and, um, you know, it tells me what, uh, what actual stores I was in. Now, maybe there's a question of, you know, whether whether our apps are knowing too much about us, but that's that's a whole nother question. But that was a very important uh, uh, a resource for the business. And the one that I worked on the most, that was the most exciting though, for me, was the natural language processing pipeline. And of course, you know, text text data today is, is is having such a, a resurgence with, uh, you know, I don't need to tell your audience with you know, <laughs> AI and all that, but you know, it, 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 back then it was like, well, people were giving us, uh, you know, several sentences called tips on Foursquare venues, which would often be like, here's, you know, here's what you should do here. Here's what you should try. Here's a little review, something like that. People were leaving text with their check-ins. So there's a bunch of text, uh, there's menus, uh, things like that. So there's a bunch of text in the system. And so it's like, what do we do with all of that? And um, you know, one of the things that we did was we pulled out key terms, uh, you know, noun phrase detection. This is all kind of standard natural language processing. Um, you know, not, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people often ask, oh, you know, I, I think nowadays I'm often thinking everyone's thinking, oh, oh, you were probably using like generative AI or something. No, it was just kind of standard NLP that had been developed over the last, you know, several decades. Uh, but um, we did sentiment analysis and we use that to come up with the ratings for the venues which which are used today um so you could tell how good something is um and uh you know i did some things that were a little bit more 
interesting that you know maybe get overlooked, but they're they're kind of unique to 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 what we did there, which was sort of like timeliness and seasonality, which is so like if you check into a diner in the morning versus in the afternoon, it'll statistically give you different suggestions based on how timely it thinks each each suggestion is. Because with every check-in where someone is doing something in real time, we have the timestamp. We know what time of day, we know what time of week, we know what time of year. And so it was kind of cool to to put that all together. Um, and some of the some of the um, some of the models uh, got pretty, um, the, 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 you know, it was it was pretty neat how it all turned out. I think that one, I, I you know, I still talk about that one as one of my as my favorite one after being in the the industry so long, even it was like ten years ago, because it was like, okay, we had training data again from on these tips where you know we could tell if the person liked the venue or disliked the venue, and because they they told us and they also left the tip. There were a lot of people who did that. So that just gave us training data for sentiment analysis. And at the time, I'm sure the tools now are much more sophisticated at the time when we used pre-trained sentiment analysis tools, it didn't really work well on our data because it's just it was just a different kind of text. People wrote on Foursquare differently than they did on Twitter, for example. So uh, so that gave us training data, it gave us training data for every language. And so that, that was nice. It got kind of like, you know, 90 languages for free just by just by using that strategy of oh, wow. using the data that people gave us. Probably not, probably didn't work very well in all 90, but certainly worked well. Well, the beauty of it is it ends up working well, so long as we have good language detection, it ends up working well in uh, any language that has any particular, uh, uh, you know, any particular popularity in Foursquare. So for example, if uh, the Turkish was very popular. Okay, well, that means we have a lot of Turkish training data. That means that the um, the model, which trains monthly, is going to use all that training data. That means it's going to work very well. Uh, and so, uh, and and so that the fact that the the models were always regenerating, and they were always regenerating based on the latest data, uh, was was really cool. Because oftentimes you think these uh, think about um, uh, ML teams kind of building a model. And then they kind of throw it over a wall. They, they productionize it, and then you have to work on the next one. But you have to you have to do some work. It's not automated, you know. So it's like, well, this is this is going to start going downhill if we don't uh, if we don't interact. And the fact that we were able to set it up where it was just constantly getting smarter was uh, was pretty neat. So ML ops and pipelines before they were called ML ops. Well, they might have been called pipelines, yeah. but yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, pipeline was a big 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 key phrase. So what? What did the data? What did the back end? Because like one of the one of the jokes that we have, and in fact, it's a domain name that I registered. First, you get the data, is a phrase that a lot of data scientists will often use, much to the chagrin of a lot of data engineers, um, because a lot of data, you have to get the data in a certain way to to format it and 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 to get it trained. Um, and if you go to firstyougetthedata.com, it should redirect you to our website. Hopefully, God only knows if it works. First um, get, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get the data.com. I'm shuddered to think yeah. that, okay, it good. It does work. Okay. Works. DNS and me have a Maybe. history yeah. Yeah, of going win. back. Uh, good. I, I, it's always good to start off a week with a win with DNS. Um, <laughs> what did the, what did the, cause I, I'm curious, like, cause Foursquare was one of those early kind of mobile first kind of success stories. I'm always curious, what did the backend data platform look like, right? Because, and again, yeah, going back 10 years, I mean, 
I mean, did you use what was the name of the? Um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of the platform. But what sorts of technologies did you did you guys use? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it works similar today in, in at, at Foursquare. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we were using data pipeline. I assume, but yeah, if I remember correctly, we had you know our transactional database or our Mongo database that was sort of like. Uh, 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 cloned every once in a while. And so that was kind of like the baseline. And then there'd be a series of jobs that like, you know, built it up, uh, uh, that, that, that kind of calculated things off of that. Um, and that would in the, at the end of that pipeline, you know, release a, uh, a data set that would then be kind of, um, automatically, uh, deployed and then read by, uh, read by the server in real time. So, uh, if I can think of like the technologies, I think the um, the pipeline technology, the, the pipeline, uh, uh, what was it? It was like Luigi. It was written in pipe, Python. I don't know if that's too interesting. There's a lot of different ones you could use uh, these days. Um, uh, it's an interesting question of like, you know, which one do you use? I, I um, it's. It's probably, uh, you know, from from my point of view, it's always like, well, the company kind of chooses it. You don't really have much of a say. You maybe have a little <laughs> bit of a say at the beginning, and then then it's like, well, well, uh, how do I know how to compare? But let's see. Like, you know, we were using MapReduce jobs. We were using Hadoop at the time. I think Scalding uh, was was one that's that's maybe gone out of fashion now. Uh, that was a uh, a Scala based framework for for some of these jobs, which were. Um, uh, which which was based on abstract algebra, so it was actually pretty cool. Uh, oh, but, uh, it was kind of hard to to reason about sometimes. If you, it it, it, it kind of went too far uh, to the side of okay, I, you know, I love abstract algebra, but I don't want everybody who I don't I don't want that to be a barrier to entry <laughs> for people who are who are working on this. Uh, but um, I'm just trying to remember like some of the you know, some of the, some of the tech bud buzzwords, but if you have any specific questions, maybe they'll jog, jog my memory. I don't know. Like one of the things that was popular about that time was, um, HBase. Oh yes. I, were we using <laughs> HBase? I think we were using, um, yeah, I remember that term, but I don't I know. I know. I was, using, as you were talking, I'm we like were using it or if we wanted to use it, it was one of those two. Now, from the, if memory serves, I think Facebook is the one who pioneered HBase because it was really it was a write once, read many t- thing, and basically last yeah. one in win, last last oh, I can't talk, sorry, last one wins. Let Andy help might help me out if with the technical term for that last one, last one wins. What's the? Oh yeah, so right, I remember they were called H files, so it must yes. have been yes, it must have been that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was one of those. Sorry, Andy, go ahead. That's okay. You were, I was thinking, um, you know, chip logic, last in, first out. Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I didn't know if that's what you were after or not. Uh, last one wins. Last one in wins. Uh, that was their their concurrency okay. strategy. That's. Cool. Um, I know there's a better term for that, but again, um, it's a Monday and uh, <laughs> I have a headache. Uh, but no, it's 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 um it's fascinating uh to kind of. Almost like technology archaeology, like what were the, <laughs> the big projects that were popular at the time, right? You know, um, and right. it's just, and it's scary to think that you know we're talking ten years ago. I mean, uh, I mean, you, not even you were, though. a lot of this stuff was. I mean, a lot of this stuff is probably still in place at Foursquare today. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting to me is you you mentioned a lot of the NLP uh, techniques that you know, for lack of a better term 
people would consider legacy now, right? Because they're pre-transformers, right? They're pre-GPT, yeah. right? Sentiment analysis, a lot of, you know, I, I speak with a lot of people with varying degrees of technology skills. And, you know, they, they assume that this didn't, this field of research didn't exist prior to last year. And <laughs> um, very much not the case. It's just it radically changed about a year ago. Right. I mean, and, and this is something that I'm trying to figure out how to do, uh, which um, I, I might not be alone is like, okay, I did all these things. How do I reinvent myself now in this new world? Uh, and, um, you know, once you realize it could be an exciting thing, then it's maybe not so much of a drag, uh, you know, because there's, there's so many opportunities out there, but it's like, um, but I can't be the only one out there who's struggling with this and being like, okay, wow, I've got to, you know, I, I've got to, um, you know, work, or at least do projects for companies that are at the cutting edge here in order to, uh, in order to be, uh, uh, you know, in, in order to be at the forefront. Yeah. It's funny. Like you miss, like I was, um, you know, offline for, I tried to be offline, but for the better part of a week and for vacation and like I you know, during that week, AMD announces that they're producing their own, uh, GPU LLM type, uh, uh, hardware gemini comes out and all these other innovations that come out and i'm like ah, i feel like hopelessly behind now <laughs> being <laughs> offline for a week yeah yeah it, it's i mean i i guess the only uh consolation there is everyone's dealing with that so, right you know yeah <laughs> right and kind of like imposter syndrome in, right yeah yeah i think i think the question is um, especially in this new world of generative AI. And, and the question I'm asking, I don't necessarily have answers, but it's like, how do you, so you want to jump in the stream and get all the latest stuff, but you also want to leverage your experience and understanding. Can that be leveraged? Um, and so what's the best way to, to um, uh, you know, what, what's the best way to balance that? I think that's something that I would like to see more people asking <laughs> and I would like guidance on this. I know I'm the guest. I'm supposed to say what I know, but, no, but I'm Matt, trying no. to ask the right <laughs> You know, Max, the, uh, the thing is a lot of the stuff that's, that's new. I'm doing the air quotes here for people who are listening. A lot of things that are new are really coming out of tech that was developed. The math was developed, for instance, in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, sure. 90s. So a lot of that is just being reapplied back when the math was developed and the theorems and, and such. We didn't have machines fast enough to do it, or at least do it usefully. So I wouldn't feel bad at all about, you know, having a bunch of uh, a bunch of experience that seems dated right now because a couple of weeks to a couple of months that might be the new shiny. Right. That's true. Right. A lot if I of... went back to a university computer science program, you know, they're still studying data structures and algorithms. Gosh, uh, yeah. It's still yeah. very relevant. And, um, you know, I think a lot of outsiders think, oh, everything's going to turn over in um, in a year. And a lot of things do. But there are also a lot of kind of like universal um, kind of uh, there's a lot of universal theory that's uh, good to know about. Sure. And the fundamentals don't change that often. Nope. And it's yeah. a lot of reapplications. I see a lot of people reapplying stuff two or three times. I mean, I've been I've been around computing since 1975, so I've seen kind of like these meta patterns flow, um, you know, through several generations, and they kind of keep just resurfacing. So. One of one of the interesting ones is like the um, well, both the chatbot and the text-based interface versus the. Um, Graphical interface, it seems like we keep going back and forth. Um, you know, I I remember chatbots back in the, you know, 
AOL days, AIM days, yeah. probably way before that too. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, and then there was kind of a, a, a chatbot resurgence in, you know, 2016, 2015, when every, when every company wanted a chatbot and we were excited about that. Yeah. Um, it didn't quite work. It seemed to fizzle out. Then, you know, uh, the, the, then nowadays we have so many chat interfaces, chat GPT and, and generative AI seems to be resurgent again. So there are these weird sine waves, these weird cycles. And yeah. I almost think of it as a coil where, you know, you're starting at the bottom and you're cycling, but you're also moving up at the same time. And so right. how do you, how do you surf the wave? That's, uh, that's, uh, something that's once you kind of, uh, um, understand the fact that that's what you're doing, then 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 you can be excited about it. I, th I think it's fair. Well, we're at that point in the show where we transition to our uh, questions, and uh, I, we dropped them into the chat here for you. Our very first one is, how did you find your way into data? Did data find you, or did you find data, Max? Interesting. Well, uh, I guess I was always interested in math and, and computer science, uh, mm. You know, going back to undergrad. Um, you know, it was like there was a lot of different areas I could choose. I had a hard time going into a field that, you know, where I, I wasn't um, using all different parts of my brain. And computer science department, it was it was not just the mathematics. It was, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was a bunch of creativity in it as well. There was human computer right. interface. There was a, so, uh, so I was kind of, um, I gravitated to that field as an undergrad. Um, when I graduated, I, I joined a company called Wireless Generation, which uh, today is called Amplify. Uh, and that's it was an education tech company. And I was doing, you know, some simple kind of software engineering work. Actually, back then, it was, uh, which sounds really dated now, but, you know, they were probably doing this up to like 2010, which was, uh, uh, you know, writing C++ for the Palm Pilot. Uh, nice. You know, we, yeah, because it was, they were assessing students and then it would sync to the, to the web and all that. And sure. it was a lot of like taking stuff, taking that information out of databases and putting it into a, a dashboard. And it was, it was, you know, I, I felt like there could be something more interesting I was doing, even though I, I love kind of the mission of, of that company there. So I ended up in grad school. I ended up at NYU uh, and I went there from, I guess, 2009 to 2011, really discovered, um, you know, uh, data mining, uh, was the first related class. Then I took, you know, machine learning, natural language processing. Actually, the, the machine learning class was with uh, Jan LeCun, who is uh, a very well-known machine learning researcher. He's like the Lan, the Lan LeCun, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that was deal. actually he he basically showed us, you know, all the stuff that exists today. Like even this was 2010. He would show us a camera where he would point at different objects. He'd be like key, wallet, uh, chair, and it would like the 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 text would appear on the, the screen based on what he pointed at. So they knew how to do all this stuff uh, that, that you think of as, as kind of, it, it's, it almost seems crazy that that was not like productionized and, and turned into a product that anyone could use back then. But it almost seems crazy that it took you know, so well, long to do it. But they it, had And it. actually, oh. it, it may have been uh, used by someone. It's uh, sure. Maybe we just don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, my paranoia. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I'm sure it was used quite a bit, but it, it, it's just like what it was not ready for sitting on his laptop was so much more sophisticated than anything that that I, I saw so for cool. years later. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so it was 
that was kind of in, inspiring. And so it was like, uh, um, you know, it was, it, it, to me, it seemed like a much more interesting problem. Well, how do you, how does the machine learn? You know, how do right. you, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit around writing code that's just dead. I wanted to, to be alive. I wanted to, to learn from experience. And so when you yeah. dive into that question, well, then you get into machine learning, which is actually pretty well named. Uh, and, yeah. and, and uh, you figure, okay, well, you need data to learn from. And then that, that ends up being a statistical model and so on and so forth. So, you know, when I, so Foursquare uh, was a, a company that, that essentially came out of NYU and, you know, it kind of intersected. So, and, and they wanted to, um, to learn from, from their data. They wanted to kind of a, a, a sort of a, to build a, a data science team. And so I had already been working on that sticky map project and I was into local search. I loved the, the product aspect and it had my new interest in, machine learning and LP in there. So it all kind of came together. And so that's why I think that was such a good fit for me and probably uh, probably would be very difficult to find uh, such a fit again. Uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, our next question is, uh, what's your favorite part of your current gig? And that was uh, in the virtual green room. You said you kind of had a good story about that. Uh, yeah, right. So I don't, well, I don't exactly have a, a current gig right now. I have a bunch of different projects that I'm working on. Um, it was, you know, I think it, it was, on one hand, it was nice and foursquare to be able to focus on one thing. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that. But I feel like you need these periods, almost like the same as the grad school period that I had uh, back in 2010, where it was like, well, you're working on a few different side projects, but let's see, hopefully, like, eventually it'll coalesce into to, to something uh, you know, something a little bit more long-term and permanent. So I, I'm working on several projects. One is with, with the Foursquare founder, Dennis Crowley, and we are working on a new product, a new kind of city guide where you walk around the city with your headphones in, with your AirPods in or whatever, and we kind of know what you're passing uh, by. We, we sort of are, are using some of the Foursquare tools that are publicly available that we know about, but also, you know, we're kind of rigging up our, our own thing because we've just, we've done it so many times, we know how to do it, um, where, okay, we know what stores and stuff you're walking past. So what kind of sounds can we play? Uh, right now it's a bunch of text-to-speech. Uh, essentially the way I've rigged it up, the, the you know, version zero, the alpha version is, um, you know, we asked ChatGPT or OpenAI API what to say. So it's basically like you're you're walking down the street hearing uh, content from OpenAI. Interestingly, OpenAI seems to the, the GPT seems to know uh, stuff about every place along the way. Like you don't have to go into like a, a location-based database. It seems to seems to know quite a bit. Um, there there is wow. a question of the all the content is. There's some interesting content in there, but it all ends up being kind of mediocre. So it's like, okay, well, how do we turn this into something really cool? I think, you know, in the end, having, um, you know, you know, maybe music and 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 speeches and, and art projects somehow in there, uh, based on where you walk, is an interesting idea. So if I could that'd be like cool. Yeah. yeah, I could build like, like a platform a, that people can use. Uh, like that, a cultural kind of version of Foursquare. Yeah. Yeah, um, mm. and or maybe it's just like an enhancement of the the sounds of the city, or maybe it's mm. you know I mean a lot of people think okay maybe maybe a tour guide I, I don't know but you know it it's yeah. it feels like um, it feels like there needs to be uh, 
a variety of use cases tried because there's there's a lot you could do with it and and maybe you know if, if you put this in the hands of more creative or of, of additional creative people uh they yeah. would uh, ultimately find something interesting um i'm also working yeah oh i could answer questions about that but then my other project is uh, my other two projects are, are kind of interesting as well uh, well, I have the podcast, The Local Maximum, so still doing nice. that every week and, you know, interviewing people and um, um, talking about um, um, talking about data, talking about AI, you know, a few episodes on the whole, um, you know, all the drama around open AI recently. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, I never wanted to become kind of the the the. Um, the, the the tech drama uh you know what's it called uh tmz you know, of technology yeah yeah but, but that's <laughs> because i remember like last year a couple years ago there was all this craziness coming out of google with um you know there was one guy at google who said you know he thought that the llm has come to life and oh you know, yeah you know, oh, and yeah. then and then there was a there was a whole bunch of stuff with like the the ai safety um you know uh, seemingly stabbed by uh, people who are a little nutty, uh, and so um, it was. And they uh, fired a bunch of people from that yeah. team too. So like there was yeah. definitely, uh, it yeah, it was something weird. Some weird mojo was going around. That's for sure. Yeah, when when I cover that, I mean, it's hard to you know, it's hard to hide the fact where it's like, wow, everyone in this story seems kind of nutty. But I also try to you know, I try to take a step back and say, okay, this is what we know. These are a few things that could be happening internally, but we don't know everything. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, uh, sure. but uh, um, I, I, I try when I'm covering a story in the local maximum to give like a, a balanced, uh, a balanced version of, of whatever story I come across. You know, maybe it's my show, so I try to give my opinion. But uh, sure, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I m my attempt, which um, you know, some people have have uh, uh, said I, I, I've captured that, but my, my attempt is to sort of um uh tr try to try to approach each story with a little bit of humility and try to help people understand what's going on without the raw emotion that you get often on on twitter gotcha that's a good point um, yeah so and we have the, um go ahead i'm sorry oh so no it's okay go ahead okay so we got uh three complete this sentence and yeah. uh, the first is when i'm not working i enjoy blank Right. So now that I've moved to Connecticut, I feel like I am such a, a Connecticut stereotype where I kind of like drive around uh, going for walks in the woods and into, <laughs> into various malls and stuff. Uh, so it's like it's like it's OK, when the weather's good, you go into the woods. When the weather's bad, you go into the mall. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually like in, enjoy doing that. I enjoy listening to podcasts. Um I uh, honestly I enjoy hanging out with friends. You know, after uh, I used to live in New York City, um, I enjoyed it a lot. And I sort of had this uh, situation where I had this be careful what you wish for, because uh, at the end of 2019, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to like events every single day. It's just it's just too much. How can we like how can we, uh, uh, you know, cut back on that? And then COVID came. And then to me, it was just it was the, the worst thing because it was like, okay, you stay in your apartment in New York City all day and you don't go out and, and talk to anyone. And it was just like, it, it, it was just awful. It just felt like a, a prison. Um, so 
I, I moved to New Hampshire for a couple years, then I came back. But you know, nowadays when I get a chance to hang out with with friends and and family, I just I try to do it uh, whenever I can because I'm not like uh, uh, you know it's not like when I was living in New York in the 2010s and got kind of overload on that. Right, um, right. So yeah, that's my answer cool. there. And we have another complete this sentence. I think the coolest thing in technology is blank. Hmm. The the way I've been putting it recently is this, uh, where, uh, you know, it, you know, back maybe 10 years ago, uh, the story we were getting, the, the hopeful story we were getting was that, okay, if you're an engineer, you know, you could build anything you want at a very low cost. Or if you're not an engineer, if you're anyone, because we have access to social media, you know, you can um, you can put anything out there into the world that you want, and and have people read it if 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 they want to, uh, or have people look at it if they want to, and so that was kind of the new exciting world. I think today the new exciting world goes well beyond that, which is going to be like um, you you can create worlds, any any world that you want to build, any scenario that you can imagine. Uh, you can just have a machine fill in all the gaps for you, and you know, write the write the story, uh, uh, make the image, and maybe like you know, make the make the video, make the whole world. So I think, um, I, I I think the idea with generative AI that I want people thinking about more that that I I also want to think about more is like, okay, if you could create any world you want um, to explore, to live in just to, you know, maybe it's something to, to teach us about something. Maybe it, maybe it's just an artistic adventure, uh, um, venture, uh, you know, what kind of world do you want to create? Because that's, that's going to become very cheap very quickly. Yeah, I could see that. So I'm going to uh, skip to, uh, share something different about yourself, but we remind our guests to remember it's a family podcast. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of an answer here, and it's not because, um, it's, it's not because of the, uh, of the, of the caveat there, but it, it, no, it's more no, because, I get it. Well, I'm you've already to, covered a lot that's different. I did, so, and it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think, um, I think one thing that uh, I, I enjoy doing that the, that I for, forgot to mention. Uh, because I'm actually doing it again for the first time in in, in six years. Was um, I was a member of the uh, Yale Alumni Service Corps. It's not a member. It's like you can do a. a it was essentially we were doing trips to underserved communities uh, around the world, and um, nice. you know doing a little like kind of um, uh, kind of service trips where you'd either either build a structure or work with small business owners or go you know teach in, in a school. And so I, I've been to uh, Nicaragua and Ghana. And I actually got to lead one of their trips in, in 2017, and that was to the Fort Mojave Indian Reservation. A uh, very different kind of a trip because it was within the United States here. Um, yeah. And so it was honestly a lot easier flying um, mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. to Vegas. But yeah, but we're actually going back there uh, in, in a few months after six years. And so I was, so even though it was less convenient this time around, I'm, I'm very excited to do that. Um, and so I, I don't know, I really like learning about different cultures, um, different philosophies, different religions. I think a lot of people might assume, given the um, 
you know, given the the tenor of my podcast, that I'm very like, you know, rationalist, and I talk about Bayesian inference a lot. Um, but uh, I I sort of venture out of that a, a lot. I don't think that um, that raw math can can explain everything in life. And I also love like the diversity of of cultures and stuff. So yeah, that's cool. That, so, that's maybe a, a positive thing. So I, I don't know if it's very positive. something different. No, I, like, no it definitely yeah. is. It definitely yeah. is. So where can folks find out more about you and what you're up to? You mentioned you have a podcast, um, which I love the name, The Local Maximum. Right. Yeah, Local Maximum's Triple Entendre because it's mm-hmm. got my name, Max. It's The Local Maximum <laughs> is, of course, you know, in machine learning. Uh, when you're when you're trying to find the uh, well, it's sometimes it's often the local minimum if you're trying to um, minimize the the loss function, but in Bayesian inference, if you're trying to maximize the probability, whatever you're you, you get stu- stuck well, in the local your maximum. Na- which plus you, your name yeah. is Max, so yeah, exactly, right, right. So that's the first one. That's the second one, and then you know I, I worked on location data a lot, so it's kind of a, a triple meaning, uh, nice. and so. Uh, um, I've been doing that for, for quite a while. You can go back into kind of a, a really extensive library there. Uh, and, um, I have the website localmaxradio.com. Um, I have, uh, if you go, I have local maximum labs. If you go to local maximum, local slash labs, um, I have a bunch of papers and, uh, uh, you know, kind of works that I've done, uh, which, uh, you know, includes some discussion of machine learning, like kind of the math mathematics behind bias correction, but also something kind of fun that I did like with the podcast last year, which is like, I just rewrote the U S constitution, fixed a bunch of things just cause I, mm-hmm. I felt that was fun. <laughs> I was taken aback by how mad people get when you, when you do that. It's not like I was actually trying to, you know, run a political campaign for it. I just thought it was a, a fun project and I learned a lot, but some, once you venture into the political, people start treating things differently. Oh, people get uh, angry pretty but, quick. Yes. Yeah, funny. yeah. I, 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 the, I, I love to hear criticisms on it. I want to hear what, what, what people think. Um, but I, the one criticism that I get a lot, which I really hate, is like, how dare you spend your free time on this? Which I, I just don't get at all. Yeah. Um, but. Um, which, you know, w- whenever I put out some kind of math paper, even if it's like, and there, there is one called relative probability, uh, which is, you know, sort of an abstract paper where it's like, okay, a reimagined probability theory as, okay, let's say you can't talk about the probability of something happening. Let's say you can only talk about one probability relative to another. Uh, what, what does that look like? And I just stated some basic facts and, you know, not that many people are going to use it. Or maybe people won't use it for for a while. I, I feel like right. it's an interesting idea, and I feel like it will have uses eventually. But you know, nobody criticized me for that. For like, how dare you spend your free time on that? Exactly. <laughs> right. They pick on you for the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at people. I'm like, you spend your free time yelling at people on Twitter. I mean, what's the d- difference? I, I was going like to say you can you can look at TikTok <laughs> and you can find far more destructive uses of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's so that's that's my main thing. I, I think maybe with the um, with the Constitution, I think people have their sort of ideal society in mind, and if if your thing doesn't yeah. line up with that, they they kind of perceive you as a threat, like you're trying to, uh, like I was trying to revitalize democracy, but some people are saying, no, you're backsliding on democracy. So all right, like let's talk about it. But yeah, it, it's people get <laughs> that you know people get different. We need to have okay. you back and talk about that more. Yeah, oh, for, I'm, sure, I'm for sure, for sure. Absolutely. No, we love having you. Uh, both Andy and I, however, do have a hard stop, and I would love to, this. This conversation go out for a couple hours, and no we'd love problem. to talk to you more. And I just um, had a, a conversation last night with my co-host that went a couple hours. I know how. Oh, it no, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We ended Love at oil. 1 a.m. and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, those 1 a.m. conversations. I know yeah, what you mean. You so with that, uh, we'll definitely make sure, send us all your links um, and we'll make sure we get them in the show notes and we'll let Bailey, our semi-extension AI host, co-host, <laughs> third host, uh, wrap up the show. And thank you, dear listener, for subscribing to our podcast. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Once you do, please be sure to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? So, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.